Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of UC Berkeley, Our Story. Today, we have Professor Janet Brady on the show. We are super excited to hear Professor Brady's stories as well as advice on navigating through the realms of business as well as education. So, Professor Brady, I will pass it over to you. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure. And thank you also for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Anything that helps Berkeley is what I'm interested in doing. So a little bit about my background. I grew up in San Diego, have three sisters, and I was living the nice beach life. And my parents said, you know what? I think it's a good idea if you guys go away to college so that we don't end up growing up as surfer girls. So we did that. And I ended up at Berkeley, which I'm delighted to say I did because I love the experience there. And I changed my major like three times, maybe four. And I just couldn't decide on what I wanted to do. And then I ended up as, as a junior in the business school and I knew I found my people. It was just a great environment. I love studying business, everything about it. So much so that I decided to get an MBA and I went straight through from undergraduate to the MBA program, which is something that doesn't happen nowadays. They want you to have work experience prior to getting an MBA, which I think is actually a good idea. But at the time, that wasn't something that was stipulated. So I went straight through, got an MBA, then started my career immediately after the MBA program at Clorox, where I worked in marketing and I stayed there for 27 years and had a fantastic career. I feel so lucky to have landed um, my job at Clorox. Great people, great products, great career opportunities. And I'm still a Clorox devotee, even though I've been retired for some years now. So after I retired, I stayed home for a few years, just watching my kids graduate from high school. And I decided, I wasn't done working. And one of the things that I wanted to do was to start a consulting business and also teach, but I wanted to do each of them part-time. And I was very fortunate to be able to do that. And it, even more fortunate that I was able to teach at Haas Business School at Cal. And I've been teaching now for about eight years and that's where I end up right now today. Thank you very much for sharing your story, Professor Brady. As you have mentioned earlier, you are both an alumni and professor at UC Berkeley. So diving deeper into your career interests, I just wanted to ask you if there were any specific experiences that propelled you to pursue business? Well, I think it was, um, I took economics as a sophomore. And I liked economics and what it was about, but not enough to major in it. But that's what gave me my first taste of business. And then when I looked at the business school and the curriculum there and found out all the different things you could study in business, that's really what engaged me and didn't regret it. I've had the wonderful opportunity to take MBA 209F class, um, which is for those of you who don't know, that's the class that Professor Brady teaches. 
And it just made me realize how applicable business is. Um, even as a molecular cell biologist, there's always something to learn about this field of business. And I just wanted to ask you, what advice do you have to those who wish to pursue this field? Well, I'd, I'd probably start off by looking at classes that might be a, akin to business if you're talking about someone starting off as an undergraduate like economics uh, it would be a really good example. And then there's also a course, which is UGBA 10, which is a introduction to business, but you're not in the business school. And it gives you a flavor for leadership. It gives you a flavor for marketing and finance and accounting. And from that, you can really get a, a taste of what business will be like. And if it's something that you'd like to pursue getting into the business school. And then I have found so many people who come to the business school as non-business backgrounds. We have musicians and artists and dancers and um, biologists and people who are double majoring in uh, second language. And I love seeing how broad their backgrounds are because, as you said, you can apply business to just about anything. I talk about people who might want to go into a nonprofit. Well, it's good to have a business background because how do nonprofits survive? By doing fundraising and making sure that they have sustainable businesses and you do that through business. Or you could be a lawyer and you want to hang your own shingle. And how do you differentiate yourself versus other lawyers? That's marketing. So there's just so many applications to it. So I say just look at what marketing and, and business and accounting fields could be like for you and take that UGBA 10 and see if you'd like it enough to pursue it. Thank you very much for sharing your insight and advice, Professor Brady. So you have a plethora of experiences in the industry. However, what made you come back to UC Berkeley Haas School of Business and pursue teaching? So I get asked that a lot. And part of it was an experience that I had at Clorox. We did an awful lot of training. And I was trained in marketing. And it meant going to courses and having guest speakers and practicums where you actually worked on marketing projects. And I, I got to the point more senior in my career when I was teaching those. So marketers teaching marketers, and I loved it. And I said, you know, at some point I might want to do this, but I kind of put it in the back of my brain. And then when I was uh, semi-retired, that's when it percolated again. And I pursued an opportunity at Haas, and I was fortunate enough to get taken on at a trial basis to see how I do. I was a nervous wreck being in a classroom with, I think, my first class I had probably maybe 60 students. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, what am I doing? And they expect me to fill their brains with um, marketing. And although I was very nervous, I still enjoyed it tremendously and haven't looked back. It's really interesting to see how different experiences can enable you to realize as well as pursue different and novel passions. Um, so, I was just wondering, what have you realized or learned as a house professor and educator? 
boy, I realized that I couldn't get into Berkeley right now. I look at the students that I have and I marvel at them. I look at how well-rounded they are, their backgrounds, their interests, and things that they've done. I've had students that have asked me to help coach them. And I'm thinking, oh, they want me to coach them on some marketing technique or something. And they say, no, I just started a new business. And I, I want to know how to do a startup. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, what was I doing when I was 19 and 20 years old? I wasn't doing that. So it really amazes me that um, the, the students are as they are. And they're also a lot of fun. And I never forget that, even though they might come in being kind of serious looking. When you get to know them and you give an opportunity for them to present their personalities, they are an amazing amount of fun and it keeps you young. So I encourage that that joie de vie in them as much as I can, because I don't want them to ever lose that, no matter how serious their career becomes. And I want to nurture that broadness in their background. I mentioned earlier the double majors. We have so many double majors. I think a third of the business students are double majors. And I marvel at what they are able to do. Again, I look back at my time there and I was felt lucky that I could do major in one thing. I couldn't have imagined, oh, um, I, I'll pick up another major while I'm doing this. So the students that come into Cal are ready to go. They are so gifted, so talented, and they continue to um, engage and question and wonder about things. And But they do it in a way that I find is very refreshing. They don't challenge in an aggressive way. They challenge in a curious way. Like, can you tell me a little bit more about that? I don't quite understand it as opposed to what are you talking about? So it it makes you want to engage with them and have a discussion. And I learned so much from my students, especially in social media, because they're much more gifted in social media than I am. But I make sure that I stay as much on top of those things as I can so that I'm familiar with TikTok and have a TikTok account and Instagram and all those. But the things I watch on TikTok, I'm sure, are very different than a 20-year-old watch, watches on TikTok because I like my cooking shows, and that's probably not something that they're, they're watching. I think that kind of wraps it up. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Professor Brady. I did my undergrad at UC Berkeley and decided to stick around to do my master's. And it's definitely very inspiring even for me to be immersed in an environment where there's such an emphasis as well as passion for learning and constant growth. So extending on the last question about your experiences as an educator, could you give us an insight into how your experiences as a professor have been different from those you had when you were a student at UC Berkeley? I try to decide how I'm going to teach based on a combination of how I liked to be taught and also some professors that I really admired. So the teachers I admired used a whole variety of techniques for teaching us. 
So one day we'd be looking at advertising. Another day we'd be reading a journal. Another day we'd be discussing a topic with a student next to us. And I found that very engaging. And I found that it kept me awake. So even if I was up all night working on a paper, I'd love to come into those professors' classes because I knew I could engage and discuss things. And then the other thing that I learned was being trained, which is a little bit different than being taught because we're trained in skills, in marketing. And I learned that you can have just as much fun learning skills as you can being taught in a classroom. Some of the best trainers I had had this beautiful gift for helping you be able to discern things in your business life by questioning what we thought and how do we do it and then giving us some critique back, but giving room too for you to say things that they felt, hey, these, these are perfectly fine, perfectly fine answers. And that's a good way of looking at it. And I really got to the point where I realized there's not a perfect answer in much of business, but it's how you, or the rationale that you put behind it. So I could say, yes, I think we ought to do this because X, Y, and Z. Now in the business world, so much can happen that isn't influenced by what you're doing, but just things in the world. Who would have thought that we would have the coronavirus and what that did to businesses? But knowing that I had a lot of room to wiggle in terms of answers was a very productive way of teaching me. And I've tried to do that as well, particularly with the students who come from quantitative backgrounds. We laugh sometimes because they will say to me, okay, what is the answer? And I say, there isn't an answer. There could be multiple answers, but what is the rationale for you doing what you want to do? And then we'll take a look at that rationale. But they want to put a dollar in the Coke machine and have a Coke come out the other end. And that's not how it works. You could put a dollar in the Coke machine and get a box of Cheerios out the other end. So being open to that kind of ambiguity is what I think is really, really important. Thank you very much for sharing your insight, Professor. I do agree that it's so critical to not only stay up to date with current events, but also keeping an open mind, having a different perspective, um, especially for students like me who come from a STEM background who might not have much experiences in this realm of business. So transitioning into the next topic, we always want to acknowledge the substantial impact that the pandemic has had on our lives, as well as in our community at large. So we wanted to ask you, how has the COVID-19 pandemic affected you both personally as well as professionally? Wow, that's a, that's a question on everyone's mind. And from a professional standpoint, it was very challenging because I'd love to be in a classroom and I love to be able to engage with students and walk around when I need to. But when you're sitting in front of a screen and you can't even get your whole class on one screen, you have to scroll five or six screens to see them. And they're a one by one inch picture. It's just not the same. And I didn't always know what kind of reaction I was getting. So I didn't get that feedback right away. 
and I would have to gauge it by number of questions asked. And are they asking questions because they're participating or are they asking questions because they're confused? And I want to make sure they're not confused. But when you have blank stares looking at you, you, you can't always tell. So that was a real challenge. So I had to look for different ways to engage. And we used the chat function quite a bit, did a lot of um, like open mic, for lack of a better way to talk about it. Or I'd give a topic and have students talk about something that they're familiar with. Could it be social media? And then what I do at least once a week is ask them, depending on what course I was teaching, what have you learned about X? And it could be, what marketing thing have you observed in the last week? And a lot of times we think of marketing as this is just something that you see on TV in between regular programming, like a commercial. But it's so much more than that. And then I'd find students getting engaged by saying, hey, in social media, it I could be talking to a friend about a coat I want to buy at Nordstrom. And the next thing you know, I'm flooded with Instagram talking about Nordstrom coats. And then someone else will say, yeah, that happened to me on Facebook. Or, yeah, this happened to me someplace else. So it's a way of getting students involved in something that they can relate to. And the chat function is really good for asking questions and then just pausing partway through your course and say, okay, I'm going to take chat questions for a while. Or I'll say, here's a topic and you might get extra credit for participating in this topic. And then people can raise their hand, use it, raise their hand function on Zoom. And we'll go down the list and people can comment or ask questions about whatever that topic is. So it was a different pedagogy for sure, but it made us rethink the way we teach. And are there things that we can take from Zoom that, we can do a better job of in our own classrooms when we're live. And it also helped us think about how do you translate what you do in a classroom into Zoom? By far, I prefer being in person, even though I think I wore flip-flops at my desk for two years. And I know a lot of other people were wearing shorts and um, flip-flops and sneakers and that was a very different thing. You didn't have to spend as much time getting ready or commute. So those are positives that way. And it really boosted all our technology because when you have to learn Zoom, not just from an occasional meeting perspective, but from a teaching perspective, it really, it really taxed your learning. So now I feel like with my family, when we would have get togethers over Zoom, because they couldn't see each other, they'd always rely on me, which anyone who knows me would never think this is a person they rely on for something technical. But I could say, no, 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 here's how you do this. Like, and I felt pretty good about that, but big, big changes for everyone. And I really admire the way that Berkeley pivoted so quickly to get everyone up on Zoom. And the training that we had as professors was incredible. We had help desks and live training and all kinds of resources to help us get through this process. So that was a big change. 
You know, it was, um, you asked about what it meant to me professionally and personally. I felt the isolation that the students talk about. And it, I couldn't walk down the hall and say hi to one of my colleagues or talk about things on a face-to-face basis. And at first I thought it was something just the students were experiencing till I checked myself on that and said, I really miss that social aspect of it desperately. And it, it's hard just to walk into your office and turn on the Zoom, turn it off and have no one to talk to except my dogs, but they don't talk back. So yeah, it was um, it was quite a challenge and I'm glad we're back in the classroom. We've definitely all experienced the grave impact that, like you've mentioned, social isolation as well as lockdown has had in our community. And I think we also learn to be more empathetic towards one another and as well as acknowledging the unique hardships that people have had to burden, as well as adjustments that we all had to make in our lives. So thank you very much for sharing your story, Professor Brady. Also, I wanted to ask you, um, this is a pretty broad question, but if you could change one thing about our current world right now, what would it be? There's so many things and so many big obvious ones, but one that might not be quite so obvious is empathy. And I think of it in the context of mental health. With my undergraduates, I have a session with them where I talk about mental health for about 15 minutes. And I talk about the resources that are available to them and about erasing the stigma associated with mental health and the fact that often it's women more than men who are willing to talk about their mental health and i end up having students in my office hours not talking about the business but talking about mental health and the fact that there there was someone that raised awareness for it and they talk about their struggles with pressure to succeed Pressure, it might come from peers, it might come from their family, it might come from um, bosses, and it, they said it can be very wearing. And you, these are students at, at Cal, as you know, that come from the best of the best, and now they're competing with the best for jobs. And the pressure gets just staggering in their in their voices so i think we need to be less stringent with each other and be more mindful of the person that we're talking to and know that everyone goes through their own struggles and be open and receptive if someone wants to talk about it because that's half the battle is talking about it and getting out there and then you find out oh it's incredible all the other people who are going through what i'm going through and then they can relax a little bit and say, well, how can we go through this a little bit more easily? So yes, I would look for compassion and being there for each other. I totally agree that addressing mental health and its associated challenges is so crucial, especially in the current day and age, as well as easing the stigma of mental illness and being more understanding towards one another 
because at the end of the day, we are all trying to navigate through this thing called life and it can be very challenging. So having more empathy and like you've mentioned, being more open-minded will definitely help stimulate a more positive conversation around this topic for sure. I hope so. I hope so. So now kind of transitioning into some fun questions. Do you have any hobbies and interests that you would like to share to our listeners? I used to be into photography. And then my sister and I started photography lessons at the same time. And she went on to be a professional photographer. So I kind of dropped it. So I'm an iPhone photographer kind of gal now. And she's got incredible equipment. The other thing I, I love and have a passion for is swimming. I have not done it as much as I want to of late, but I've belonged to a master swimming group. And one of the highlights of that was doing an open water swim in Hawaii, where I swam for, I think it was almost two miles in the ocean. And I did it with friends who are on this, this sw same swim program I was on. And it was very sobering for me because these swimmers that I swam with were college level swimmers at one point and still were very talented. So I went out on this swim, swam out about, I was about halfway through and I was thinking, oh my gosh, I got I, I still have more to go. And then I got to swim back. I'm hoping for a big wave will maybe take me to shore. And I, my daughter joined this, um, this race as well. She had been a high school swimmer. Well, she had been a swimmer most of her life. And she was swimming way, way ahead of me. And then I got up to her and she was just diving under the water. And I said, what are you doing? She said, I got bored. I'm looking at the turtles. So, and then she just took off. And then my other friends were way, way ahead of me. But when I crossed that finish line, it was like such a highlight for me. It was like something that I had on my bucket list. I'll never be the fastest swimmer, but I had the support of all these incredible women who are so fast. And, and my daughter who said, you don't really have to worry about something like this. This is for fun. So that's something that I think I'll always have a passion for in my life. Oh, and one more thing. I am addicted to Nordic murder mysteries. And I am constantly asking everyone I know, particularly someone from one of the Nordic countries that I run across, who are your favorite authors? And I like the Nordic murder mysteries as opposed to other country mysteries because they're particularly dark. Now, that's not my personality at all. But for some reason, I'm attracted to those great novels. It's always so interesting to learn and listen to people's diverse passions and interests outside of academia, um, as well as the professional field. So thank you so much once again, Professor, for taking the time to be our guest speaker today. That wraps up this episode with Professor Brady. To our listeners, thank you so much for listening to UC Berkeley, our story. We hope you enjoyed listening to Professor Brady's experiences and stories in the realms of business and education. And thank you for having me, Lindsay. I really appreciate it. If you're interested in hearing more about the stories of the members of our UC Berkeley community, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, as well as Amazon Music. 
please feel free to check out the links and resources for the show details and see you all next time.